Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Tonight, we'll go to Matthew chapter 6. Hallelujah. Amen. We'll start there. Matthew chapter 6, very first book of the New Testament. Matthew 6. And... um, I want to read a verse, and then we're going to look at some other verses uh, tonight as, uh, as we move along here. But Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, familiar scripture to most of us, maybe all of us. It says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want to talk about kingdom first tonight. I just feel like the Lord just put that on my spirit to just talk about putting the kingdom first, you know, and, uh, and how when we put the kingdom first, everything else is, is added to us. All that we need is added to us. Did you know, even in, the, even in the Old Testament, when you think about it, one of the Ten Commandments tells us to put the kingdom first. It says, have no other gods before me. You know, you can make a god out of anything. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you could make your hobby a God, your sports a God, or whatever. Now, now, some of those things wouldn't be wrong, but if you put them before God, then, they, then they're wrong in your life. So, you know, I just want to talk about this, about how we're to seek the kingdom of God and put it first in our lives in a practical way. Not just in a, you know, by our words, but by practicality. Amen. That we put the kingdom first. And so we're going to talk about that tonight, about putting God's kingdom first and seeking first the kingdom. And then all that we need will just be added to us. We, we don't have to think about that or, or, or seek that, you know, because sometimes people do that. You know, they, even Christians, they get to seeking things. And God wants you to have things. Amen. How many of y'all got things? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you think, well, get your junk out here so I can get my things in here. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, because sometimes it gets a little crowded and all. And, and we, have, we, have, we have things. God doesn't mind us having things, but He just doesn't want things having us. Amen. So, and God, listen, God's a rewarder of those that seek Him. The Bible says He rewards those that diligently seek Him. See, a lot of people, what they're after, they're never going to get it because they're not going about it the right way. You've got to put God first. Amen. Zalmus said that those that seek the Lord won't want any or lack any good thing. Wow, that's powerful. And there's a king in the Old Testament by the name of Uzziah. And the Bible says that as long as he sought God, God saw to it that he prospered. As long as he sought the Lord, God saw to it that he prospered. Now, there's a scripture in Psalms that, you know, we won't, we won't take time to look at it. But David just says this. He said, Lord, you said, seek your face. And then he said, my heart said, your face I will seek. He said, my heart said that, the heart, you know, and there's a lot of, there's people that just have a heart to seek God and there's other people that just don't have it, but you can get it, right? I mean, the main thing is just be honest about it say, you know, I mean, God already knows. How many know, how many know when you sin and you confess it, that's not when God found out about it. And how many know he knows you more than you know you, Right. There's sometimes when I'm praying about something, you know, sometimes we need to be specific, but there's sometimes I'm just not sure. I'm like, God, you know more about me than I know about me. You know what will please me more, so just surprise me. Hallelujah. 
And you know, I've never got a bad surprise from God. They're always good. Amen. But, you know, he said, seek first the kingdom and, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So if you don't have a heart, you know, just be honest about it. Say, God, you know, I'm, I don't think my heart's where it needs to be. Him, you know, he'll help you get a heart to seek him. Because, you know, in the ministry all these years, I can't help but notice there's, you know, you can't help but notice because you work with people all the time. You have for years that you always, you have people that really are hungry after God. They seek God. And, and there's others that just don't seem to have that. They just don't seem to have it. Now, God loves them both. Amen. <laughs> he loves them both the same. But the problem is, is the one that's seeking God is going to get the goodies. God's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. His rewards are good. See, there's, the, the people who don't seek God, they won't have the, what others have. They won't have all the good things that... They, 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 won't, they won't have all those things because God, God's a rewarder of those that seek Him. And when you seek His face, praise God, things begin to come your way that others don't get. Amen. Hallelujah. You have a whole lot more peace about your life. You have a whole lot more joy about your life. And God can do a whole lot more miracles in your life. Amen. When you're seeking Him. There's all kinds of scriptures in the Bible about seeking God. Did you know that? They're all over the Bible, you know. Seek His face, you know, because that's where the glory's at, it's in the face. Amen. You know, God looked upon the children of Israel. The King James says God looked upon the children of Israel, and they, they got out of Egypt, man. That's why God said, seek my face. His glory, you know, that's what He told Moses. He said, you can't see my face. Why? Because that's where the glory's manifested at. He said, you, you, you saw that, you'd be an overdone French fry. Amen. And so... Uh, you know, and, and even in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that God dwells in a light that no man can approach. Not in these physical bodies. They just melt. Amen. Amen. How many you know the glory of God in the Old Testament is nothing like the glory of God in the New Testament? Now that ark had some glory. Forget Indiana Jones. That, you know, with the ark and all that and all that. And you, you know what I'm saying? That, that ark, that ark uh, the, the, the presence of God, I'm not saying if you found the ark, there wouldn't be some residue on it because there might be. But the presence of God's not there. The presence of God's in us now. Yeah. Amen. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, that veil rent, you know, from top to bottom well, in the, of the temple? What was that saying? God, he left there. He left there. He came, he come to dwell in us now. Glory to God. And so when we seek God, when we seek His kingdom first, then all the things that we need get added to us. But if we get this backwards and we start think, seeking the things, then, then we lose everything. See, I mean, we, we lose that close relationship with God and we lose His help in those areas of providing the things. If you're going to provide for yourself, and don't misunderstand me, don't overinterpret this and say, well, pastor said I could quit my job and just trust God. No, we had those back in the 80s. We had to feed them. <clears throat> Amen. We had that. Yeah, if I told you some of the stuff that we, when we first got a hold of faith in the early 1980s, some of the things people did, you know, uh, I even told Phyllis some things one time before we were married, some things, and it shocked her. And so I've never shared them publicly and probably never will. Amen. Amen. 
But we, but I thank God we had some zeal about us. We didn't have any sense, but we had some zeal. But we were believing for things the Bible didn't promise us, you know. How many know you can only believe what the Bible promises, right? And so anything beyond that is foolishness or presumption, you know. But faith comes by the word. Amen? Amen. And so we would believe for things that the Bible didn't promise us and so forth and, and, and all. And you know, people can, I, I'm a strong believer in your words of your mouth, uh, but people can, they can get in a ditch with that by, by, because they're, they're, the things they're saying aren't based on the word. For me to say I'm short, it's not, it's not a negative confession. There's nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt be tall. I'm short. I'm five seven and a half. Five eight on a good day. That's short. Amen. You know, for me to say I'm never gonna play, I'm never gonna play center for the Lakers. That's not a negative confession. <laughs> Look how quiet you are. That's not a negative confession. Why? There's no scripture in the Bible that tells me that thou shalt play center for the Lakers. Now, if God put it in my heart to play center for the Lakers, then then it would be. Because that'd be his plan for my life. But God's plan for my life is not to play center for the Lakers. I don't even like the Lakers. <laughs> if I was going to play center for somebody, be, I don't even think they have centers anymore. It's forwards now. So that shows you how much I follow basketball. But, you know, I would play for the Pacers. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, I'm not playing for any of them, so don't, don't be concerned. But see what I'm saying? See, uh, everything has to be based on the Word. See, we, you know, because I've had people that, well, that's a negative confession. Well, no, it's not a negative confession. I'll hand be Scripture. I confess all it's not going to rain all the month of March. That's, <laughs> there may be somebody out there praying for rain. Some farmer or something. I don't know. You know, you've got to find Scripture. Right? right? But anyway, you know, seeking God, see, uh, when you seek God, the Bible says all those things are added to you. All of the things that you need are added to you. Praise God. So when we seek God, God said uh, that we won't lack any good thing. So this isn't really that hard. It's a matter of stop seeking life and seek God. Amen. I said amen. Now go to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, the Old Testament. I want to look at this scripture tonight, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Um, you know, 2 Chronicles 16. Now, you know, for me to say, you know, I guess I'm sick and I'll always be sick. I mean, you know, that's a bad confession because the Bible says I'm healed. I don't need to go around talking sick. You know, if you, if you ask me how I feel and I say, well, I don't feel good today, but thank God I'm healed. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to stop there. You know, maybe I don't feel, I'm not going to lie to you and say, you know, hey, I feel like a million bucks. No, I, I feel like about a half a C, if that much. Maybe a quarter. But that don't matter. I'm healed. Yeah. I'm fixed to feel a lot better. Come on. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Now, here's a, here's a guy in the Bible, Second Chronicles chapter 16. His name is Asa, and Asa was king, uh, and he was king of Judah, and he was a good king. He was a godly king. And uh, he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. But, you know, later on in life, he, he kind of got a little bit off. And in Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 16, verse 7, it says, At that time Hananiah the seer, or the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and he said unto him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord your God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria... Escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians 
and lubums, a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen. Yet because you did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Now, really what this is saying is there was a time when Asa put first the kingdom. He put God first. And somehow or another, Asa began to rely on natural things. And the prophet said, because you've done this, um, you're, without, you're without God's help. Verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect, or the New King James says, loyal toward Him. Herein you've done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth you shall have wars. Well, you know what? God's will for him to have wars. But the problem was, he quit seeking the kingdom first. He started seeking natural things first. And, and, and the prophet said, look, the eyes of the Lord go throughout the whole earth. He's looking to show himself somebody that's seeking the kingdom. He wants to show himself strong to you. Amen. And verse 10 Everybody says, I want to be a prophet. I want to be a prophet. Well, listen to this. Then, then Asa was wroth with the prophet and put him in a prison house. You still want to be a prophet? <laughs> For he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Now, I mean, we can see this guy's getting off yeah, yeah. because he was a good godly king. But when you quit seeking the kingdom, you start getting off course. Right. And so it says, and behold... The acts of Asa first and last, lo, they're written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in his 39th year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Notice this. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And I want you to notice the next verse. And Asa slept. That means he died. He slept with his fathers and died in the 41 and 40, 40th year of his reign. So what happened here? Well, Asa quit seeking the kingdom first. Amen. Now, God, now let me just clear this up. I've said this before, but we need to make sure we understand this. God was not, God was not upset with Asa that he went to the physicians. The problem was he didn't put God first. He should have went to God. See, if you've got something wrong with you, don't go to the natural world first. Go to God first. I said, go to God first. I said, go to God first. Don't go to the natural world. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to the natural world. God might tell you to go to the natural world. He might tell you to go have this surgery, go to this doctor, go do that. He, he might do that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't leave God out. Don't, don't, don't just like factor God out and say, well, you know, I'll just see what the natural can do. No, you might die doing that. Asa died doing that. Come on, are you with me now? Once again, it wasn't wrong for him to go to the doctors, but the, the, the emphasis is he didn't seek the Lord. He could ask God for healing. And God could have, you know, because there's been people before, and I'm, I'm sure they're telling the truth that the Lord, you know, directed them, said, well, go here to this doctor, and, this, and they went to the right doctor, and, things, and, you know, he was able to, you know, do surgery or whatever and fix them, get them healed, you know, and all that. That's fine. But, but listen to God. I said, listen to God. Amen. Because, you know, doctors, thank God for doctors. I mean, it's amazing what they can do. 
I mean, just, you know, one, one, one guy that I read about years ago, man, he, 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 he was kind of a hero of mine, man. I mean, I mean, I know him, but I read about him, you know, and, and he was one of these doctors that operated on tumors. This was like years ago before they hit. You know, they've evolved some since then, but they would, he, he, would, he would operate on kids that had brain tumors, you know. And, and when the, all the other, a lot of the other um, hospitals wouldn't touch him because they had, if they had a tumor wrapped around their brain stem, they'd say, well, we're not going to do it because we can't, we might kill them. I mean, they're going to die anyway, but, the, you know, the doctor doesn't want to be the one that kills them, you know, which I understand that. But he would always say, send them to me. He was in New York City. The guy's name was Fred Epstein, and he was in New York City. And I was reading this article. I read it more than once about him, and I loved his motto. He said, I do not accept children dying. And so he developed tools and stuff, you know, vibrator thing that would loosen that thing. I think it was. I, I may be getting this all wrong as far as how it worked, but he had some kind of vibrator thing he would use on that tumor and get it loosed and get it loose from the, the brain stem. And, and it showed pictures of kids that were now 16 years old or older that had survived because they got them to, to Dr. Epstein. And he's like, I don't accept children from dying. I'm thinking, now that's a hero right there. Amen. And I thought, that's somebody that, that our kids need to emulate right there. And, 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 you know, so we're not against doctors, but doctors miss it. They miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, now I was a kid, I was young, but I remember way back 19, I don't know, it was the 60s, uh, could have been, I don't know, 65, 66, somewhere in there. I, I, I noticed... I noticed that dad went and bought a bunch of new furniture and stuff for mom. He was just really loading her down with stuff. Well, as a kid, I didn't really realize it. And I think dad finally pulled us aside and talked to us. And he said that mom had uh, six months to live. Well, she was here Sunday morning and she's outlasted those six months. Right? I mean, you know, she's and they're 90 now. And, um, but what happened was the doctor got the reports mixed up. And he told, told dad that, you know, mom was dying and had six, about six months to, to go. And so, you know, he's really loving on her, you know. Should have been doing it all along, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, get, wait till your wife gets a, you know, death diagnosis before you go buy something new for her. It's a little late, isn't it? How about some stuff before? Come on, women, say amen. And so anyway, the doctor, the doctor made a mistake. Now, not a bad person, but just made a mistake. Doctors make mistakes. I've heard of them like taking the wrong leg off and stuff like that. Really? I've heard like taking, you know, organs out of people and like, oops, wrong person. Well, that's kind of permanent. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know about you. But I'm going to avoid that if at all possible. Right? Now, if I need to go, I'll go. But I'm going to seek God first. I'm going to put it in God's hands and trust. He gets me to the, if I'm going that way, I'm going to go to the right person. Somebody can help me. Amen. Glory to God. So Asa's problem wasn't that, you know, he, he sought physicians. His problem was he stopped seeking the kingdom. He stopped putting it first. He started relying on the natural. He relied on people to bail him out when armies came against him. He relied on the doctors to bail him out when sickness came against him. And, and God said, because you've done this thing, I mean, you know, you're not going to have any help. 
I can't. It's not like God's mad, but you took it out of his hands. Amen. Amen. He can't help you. So we have to put the kingdom first. Amen. When Asa stopped putting the kingdom first, he stopped prospering. Now let's go to Mark chapter 10. We're, 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 uh, we're, we're going to get into some scripture here. Some of this may be a little touchy, <laughs> but uh, what I'm going to share with you, I learned from a preacher. Okay? I want to give credit where credit's due. I learned from a preacher. Is that all right? Now, the preacher I learned from, he's a really good preacher. Matter of fact, he's the best preacher I ever heard. We got some good ones sitting on the front row. He's the best one I ever heard. I still read his stuff today. His name is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I learned this from him. <laughs> what about the preacher? I'm about, I learned it from He said it, so it's probably right. How many know that? Yeah. How many know you have to filter? You know, listen. We have to filter everything everybody says through the Word, but Jesus is the Word. So I believe this is right. Amen. Now, I want you to notice this in um, Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter uh, began to say unto him, unto Jesus, Lo, we've left all and have followed thee. Well, they did. You know, Jesus said to, I mean, he saw Peter and James and John and Andrew and I don't know, maybe Philip, I don't know who all, but he saw them just, you know, they're just, out, they're in their boat washing their nets. They're, they got a business. They're, they're in the fishing business. And he saw them and he just said, come follow me. And the Bible said they left their nets. They left everything. They left their, the, James and John left their father Zebedee. They just left it all and followed him. That's what's called putting first the kingdom. They just followed him. And so Peter's reminding Jesus, well, wait a minute, you know, because the rich young ruler came. It, it, this is right before the rich young ruler or the incident where the rich young ruler came to Jesus. And he said, Master, what must I do to have an inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, the commandments and he names them off. And this rich young ruler says, hey, I've kept all those from my youth. And there's no indication that he was lying about it. And Jesus said, well, one thing you lack, sell everything you got and give to the poor. Come follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. See, Jesus knew something about him. He knew that this guy sought riches first, not the kingdom. He may have been living and not breaking the commandments, but he wasn't putting the kingdom of God first. So Jesus just nailed him. He said, hey, sell everything you got, come follow me. And the guy went away. He couldn't do it. He was grieved. And then Peter says, hey, wait a minute here. We, we left everything. What about us? What are we, we going to get out of this? Notice this. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands. Notice this, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Come on, somebody. <laughs> now, what you notice now, listen, see. Uh, I've heard people, I've heard pe preachers preach this. We'll probably have preachers in our pulpit that preach this sometime, but just go, yeah, I don't think so. Because I just talked, I learned this from Jesus. Jesus said, you don't put anything before the kingdom. I've heard people say, well, now you always put your family before the ministry. No, not according to Jesus, you don't. Well, it's quiet. But he didn't tell them, now, boys, you shouldn't have left the houses and the land and the children and the mother and the father and the wife. You shouldn't have done that. Did he say that? No, he said, you're going to get a hundredfold for doing that. Right? right? 
Now let me explain something here, unless you think I'm saying something I'm not saying. Uh, to me, uh, the kingdom's first. But you don't neglect these other areas just because you put the kingdom first. If you obey God, He'll help you take care of all of it. Because, you know, the Bible says if you don't take care of your own house, what are you worse than? An infidel. Now, you know, that, that scripture is talking about finances, but I believe it could mean a lot of areas. Your family needs more than just money. And so you've got to take care of them in all areas. And if you'll obey God, but I've heard people say, no, I put my family first. Well, no, you're supposed to put the kingdom first, but you're still supposed to take care of your family. But you don't, you don't. See, I, 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 minister, I preached years ago with a, with a minister, and he was a good minister. And uh, Mac Fabby's a great Bible teacher, really a lot of integrity and, and all. And, um, you know, we kind of went our separate ways. Uh, life took us different ways, you know. I mean, nothing, nothing, there was no, uh, anything came between us. It's just that he, my life took me one way. His life took him another way, you know what I'm saying? And so I hadn't seen him and, and, or even heard about him preaching for, in, in years. And I'm, I'm like, wonder what happened to him, you know. I haven't heard about him ministering, you know. He used to minister and minister in different churches and so forth. And, and I hadn't heard about him. And I thought, what, what happened to him? And, and then a few years, some years back, I ran into somebody that knew him. And I said, hey, what happened to him? I haven't heard anything about him in his ministry. They said, well, now listen to this. They said, well, he decided that he was going to put his ministry on pause until he got his kids raised. You know, life gets busy with kids. I mean, you know that. You know, and, you know so, so I'm, I'm assuming you know all the... Um, the, you know, all the sports and all the other stuff and all that that kids do. Nothing wrong with that. But you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't stop serving the kingdom because your kids got things to do. You don't put that first. You put God first. That doesn't mean you can't do those things, but you don't put that, you don't put that first. Matter of fact, don't teach your children that that comes before church or first because they'll grow up believing that. You'll teach them wrong. And you'll wonder why they rebelled when they got old because you taught them that. So you, so you got you to have a balance here. But, you know, I thought, man, I, I didn't know that. And so, you know, and now, you know, his kids now are probably uh, late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, somewhere in there. And he's, as far as I know, he's still not in the ministry. Why? Because, you know, there's some things you just can't recover from. Right. Amen. And it's too bad because he was a really good Bible teacher and an integrous person. And, you know, has wisdom, but you don't, you don't put, you don't put God on pause to do something else in life. If he's called you, you got to be just like what Peter said. We left all. Now, how you know, Peter didn't, Peter still, he didn't forsake his family because Jesus one time prayed for his mother-in-law. He went to his house, Right. So he's taking care of them. It isn't like he's not taking care of them, but he's not, he's not saying, well, I can't, I can't follow you because I got a wife. This voice goes real, over really big, but you know what I'm saying. It, is, it happens to be what Jesus said. Matter of fact, there's a lot of other things. Jesus said, if anybody wants to be my disciple and he doesn't hate his father, his mother, his children, his wife, he can't be my disciple. Now, I've never said it that strong. But what did Jesus mean there? Did he mean literally hate? Well, of course not, not the way we think of it. That word hate means to love less. If you don't love your family less than you do me, you can't be my disciple, Jesus said. Amen. 
It's good preaching or what? Amen. Amen. See, you see, let's finish reading that verse. He said, but he shall receive, verse 30, a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sister and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and the world to come, eternal life. God said, look, if you put the kingdom first, I guarantee you'll get a hundredfold out of it. I'll make it up to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, you know, Jesus was pretty strong about it. You know what I'm saying? That, that the kingdom business was first. Amen. The kingdom business was first. Um, when God called Abraham out, he said, you come away from your house. You come away from your father, your relatives, and you follow me. And he obeyed. It worked out pretty good for him, didn't it? Now, once again, I, I don't want you to read anything I'm saying that I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we uh, neglect... But we understand the Father's business is first. I said the Father's business is first. Remember Jesus when he was 12 years old? Remember his family? They all went to the feast in Jerusalem. And then, you know, they left. And they traveled about a day or so. And, and all of a sudden, where's Jesus? That has to be one of Mary's biggest mistakes is she lost the Savior. I mean, what kind of mother are we talking about here? Holy Mother of God, right? I mean, come on. You know, you understand what I'm saying. See, she, they, they were just traveling in the caravan, and some way or another, he, he did go. And after a day, they were like, where is Jesus? You know, I mean, he hadn't seen him for a day. And so they began to look for him, couldn't find him, and then went back to Jerusalem and found him in the temple. He'd been gone for three days. He's 12 years old. He'd been gone for three days. And he was sitting in the temple, and he was asking questions and listening to the doctors of the law, the teachers of the law. And they said they were astounded at his answers and his wisdom at 12 years old. And when Mary saw him, she said, Son, don't you know we sought you sorrowfully? He said, Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? So even he had a realization that father's business comes before anything. Anything. Now, I know there's preachers who tell you uh, just the opposite, but they don't have any scripture for it. I've got scripture right here in your Bible. Amen. Jesus said, put first the kingdom. No man's forsaken all these things, but he's going to get a hundredfold. Are you with me now? See, you know, God calls you to traveling ministry. You can't say, well, wait till my kids are raised and I'm go then I'll go do it. No, he'll go get somebody else. Is that not right? You remember Jesus, remember a, a guy came to Jesus one time, or actually Jesus went to a person, doesn't name the person, but he said, follow me. And the guy said, hey, go let me, let me go bury my father first and then I'll follow you. Jesus just basically said, forget it. Another guy said, well, you, you, let me go home and tell everybody goodbye. And Jesus said, forget it. You're not fit for the kingdom. He didn't say you're not fit for salvation, but you're not fit. Because he said, any man looks back, well, he's plowing's not fit. In other words, he can't, he can't hoe a straight hoe, a row. Come on. You can't do it because you're looking back. You can't go straight. You, you're, not fit. you're not fit for the kingdom business. because Now, why did he say that? Did he really care? Well, one thing you have to understand, when the guy said, let me go bury my father, he, his father was probably elderly, and he said, let me stay with him until he passes and I see that he's buried. Jesus said, forget it. If you're already making excuses already, forget it. Right? You got to put the kingdom first. And remember, there, Jesus even told a parable. He said, you know, there was a man that had a great uh, supper and he, he invited many people to come. 
And one person said, well, I can't come, excuse me, uh, but you know, he said, I, I, uh, I bought some land, I need to go see it. And then another one said, you know, uh, I bought some oxen, I gotta go test them out. Another one said, you know, I got married, so I can't come. And the Bible says that the master of the feast was angry. And he said to his servants, you go and you call the lame, the halt, the blind, and the maimed. I know they won't have an excuse. And you invite them to this feast. What was saying? See, every one of them, the Bible says they made excuse. And the master of the feast said, you go find me some people that don't have any excuses. That's who I'm going to have come. And I just learned this about God. If you make excuses, he'll go find somebody else. Amen. <laughs> is this too intense for Wednesday night? <laughs> Man, I didn't even have any hot sauce before it came. But, you know, we have to understand that this, the kingdom's first. See? And that's what, that's what this, this parable is about. You, if, you're, if, if, you, if you got excuses, just forget it. Amen. You know, you know, people have excuses. Well, I can't do that. I can't be there. And I heard one minister, one pastor say, you know, he had a couple that volunteered to do a job at, at church, he said. And he said, you know, they came to him and, and said, and we know there are times things come up, but it seems like with some people, there's always something coming up. How many of y'all should smile because you're the Wednesday night crowd and you're here, Amen. And so, you know what I'm saying, and we know that, that there are times there's legit, but God knows the difference between legit and illegit excuses, right? And he said this couple came to him and they said, well, you know, I know we said we were going to do that, but, you know, we got this family thing that we're going to go to and we just won't be able to do that, Pastor. And he said, he was nice. He said, that's fine. That's no problem. That's all right. Okay. He said, when I got away from them, the Lord said, did I say it was okay? Excuse me? They're not working for you, son. They're working for me. I mean, this is kingdom business. This isn't Mark and Phyllis business. This is kingdom business. This isn't pastor business. This is kingdom business. And, and he said, the Lord got on. He said, did I say it was okay? I didn't say it was okay. You might have said it was okay, but I didn't say it was okay. Hallelujah. So, so we put the kingdom first, right? Everybody say kingdom first. Kingdom first. That doesn't mean that's the only thing we do. And it doesn't mean we neglect our other responsibilities. But kingdom's first. I said, kingdom is first. I said, kingdom is first. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I know you get tired of my stories, but I always remember years and years ago, man, that first building we're in. I don't know why. I do know now why I said it, but at the time I didn't know why I said it. I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching like I got good sense, you know. And I'm just talking about how, well, you know, when we have a guest speaker, we advertise for six months. Sometimes, sometimes we don't, but sometimes, you know, we advertise for a long time and everybody knows they're coming and we're spending money to get them there and we're not bringing them so Phyllis and I can, can, they can preach to us. We could meet at Starbucks and do that. And so, you know, we bring them to bless the church and then people miss it. They don't come. They don't show up. They just treat it like it doesn't amount to anything. And I was preaching on that, and I was saying, you know what? We can have a meeting plan for six months, and you all know about it, and then on the night or the day we're having that special person in, you'll have, all of a sudden your garage has to be cleaned out. It's been dirty for five years, and on the day we have the special speaker, you've got to stay home and clean your garage out. As soon as service was done, this lady came up to me, 
she came to our church and her sister came to our church and her, her sister and her husband came to our church. She said, Pastor, you are not going to believe this, but my sister and her husband stayed home from church last week to clean their garage out. Did you know, I didn't know that. You think I'd have said that if I'd known that? The Holy Ghost knew. He was just, now I'm sure to this day they probably think that somebody told me. And, you know, I just took the opportunity. I didn't have a clue. I'm just preaching. But God knows. Hallelujah. Man, I've preached before and see people get mad and get up and leave. You're just telling off on yourself. You should look at the person by and say, he ain't preaching to me. It must be you. That way you look innocent. You know that old saying, when you throw a rock in a pack of wild dogs, the one that yelps loudest, that's the one you hit. So the ones that get upset, it's like, well, I hit something. Amen. So we have to understand, just be cool. Just act like I don't need it. Mm. Neighbor probably does, but I don't need it. Hallelujah. You just say, hey, if you'd get it together, Pastor wouldn't have preached like this. But help me understand the kingdom comes first, right? Let's go to one last scripture. You get something tonight. Let's go over to the book of Genesis. I want to show you this and we'll close. So, you know, when I say we, we don't put our family first, I hope you don't read into that. We neglect our family because, you know, there have been ministers before that just neglected their family, didn't raise their kids, didn't take care of their kids, just ran all over the place preaching, and their kids turned out wild and rebellious because they didn't do it right. But if you do it right, you seek God's kingdom first, the Lord will, will cause that hundredfold return to come in your life and He'll make it up to you. I said, He'll make it up to you. He'll cause things to turn out right. Amen. Now, in uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse uh, 3, it says, in the, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground, of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. So he, he brought an offering. Well, that, that's, that's good. I, you know, offerings are good, right? He brought an offering unto the Lord. Uh, but it says in verse 4, it says, And Abel, uh, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So, so here, here, these two brothers, uh, you know, one's a farmer and one's a, you know, he raises livestock. And so they bring an offering to the Lord and one brings, you know, fruit of the ground. And one, now listen, now wait, listen to the way he says this now. One says he brought his, his firstlings. What does that mean? He brought the first. And I notice this, and the, and, and the fat, I don't know what your translation says, but the King James says, and the fat thereof. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's what that means. That word fat thereof, it means the best part, the, the, the richest or the choicest. In other words, what we're seeing here is both brought an offering, but Cain just, you know, he threw some things together and said, well, you know, it, it might have been. Obviously, it was subpar because God didn't have respect to it or to him. So obviously he brought a subpart. Well, you know, here's some, you know, some at least turnips or whatever. Turn, turn them brown. I don't know if turnips turn brown, but anyway, probably do. 
you know, or whatever. He brought some stuff, maybe some leftover stuff. But, but Cain, he brought his first. And he brought the best, the richest, the most choice of his flock. Hallelujah. You know what? God wants our best. I said, God wants our best. And he brought his best. And the Bible said God had respect to him. But um, to Cain, he, he didn't have respect to his offering. We should always bring our best. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The kingdom first. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus, he, he told this parable one time. He said the, he said the kingdom is like, uh, of God is like a field which a man, he found treasure in that field. And he went and sold everything he had to buy that field. Because you know there's something valuable in that field. Amen. He gave his all for it. He said, "That's the way the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's valuable. You're to give your all for it." I mean, just think if if you knew there was an acre of ground somewhere in 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 Vanderburg, Warwick County, that you know had all kinds of riches underneath of it. I mean, you'd do whatever you had to to get the money to buy it. Because, you know, it's valuable. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, um, and he went on to say, it's like uh, a merchant sinking goodly pearls. And when he finds that one pearl of great price, he sells everything he has to go buy that. Because he values it. I don't think some people value the kingdom like they should. Not accusing you. I'm just saying people. I don't think they value it and realize just how valuable it is. It's valuable. It's to be treated with respect. We're to give God our best. Amen. Not our leftovers. God told him, Haggai, he said, uh, he said, you bring in much, but you have little. When you do gather, your bag's got holes in it. And he said, why? Because your house is sealed, paneled, and nice, and my house is lying waste. He said, consider your ways. Put my house first, and I'll bless everything you're doing. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, there's some very rich businessmen in America that got rich because they put God's house first. Not all business people got it dishonestly. Or we're greedy. Some of them put God first. I mean, just look at Chick-fil-A. Maybe you don't like Chick-fil-A. Blasphemer. But, you know, you might not. might not be your forte. I like Chick-fil-A. But you know what? I mean, it's good. But, you know, every city you go to, the line's crazy. But you know what? That guy that started, that was a God honor. Yes, yes, he was. He's a, he was a godly man, honored God. That's why they're not open on Sundays. Because he said, I, he, there's what he said. He said, I, he said how, could, how could I be making money and my, have my cash resters going on Sunday and my people can't go to church? Think about it. What's that? That's putting the kingdom first. In other words, he said, if, if it, in other words, in his mind, which it didn't, but in his mind, if it costs me money to put the kingdom first, I'm going to do it. 
Now, how much? Now, listen, I want you to think about this. I just want you to think about Chick Fil A. How many ever gone to Chick Fil A? Yeah. I mean, they're amazing. You know, I'm not. This isn't. A, I don't work for Chick Fil A. I don't have any stock in Chick Fil A. But I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I got in there one day, you know, and I don't go that often. Phyllis used to go a lot. And uh, I don't go there at all, but I got in there one day and I was in a hurry and I got in the line and then cars got behind me. I thought, what have I done here? I need to get going. And I mean, in 10 minutes, I was out of there. I mean, I'd have been at that, one of those burger places for three days. I'd had to call Carrie out till I got my hamburger. They're that slow. But God's blessed them. Why? Because they put God first. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, when you put God first, how I many know all the things that you need? See, what I was going to say was this. Could you imagine how much business Chick-fil-A would have if they'd open up on Sunday? How much? Because all of us, there, there's times I drive by and think, oh, I wish you was, well, never mind. But I want, you know, inside you think, I wish you'd open up. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm hungry for Chick-fil-A. You mean all the church people that would go there? Greg led praise and worship there one day. Didn't you, brother? Chick-fil-A, praise God. Well, listen now. See, what I'm saying to you, but here's what his choice was. I'm, I'm going to put the kingdom first. And, and God made up the difference, didn't he? I said, God made up the difference. You put him first, everything you need will be added to you. That's what happened here. Uh, Cain and Abel. Abel brought an offering, and he brought his best. And God said, man, I accept that. I accept that. I mean, God wants our best. I mean, I've been this long enough, you know, and bless people's hearts. I mean, you appreciate people, but you think, you know, you, know, you, need, to, you need to grow a brain. God does not want your leftovers. You know, people bring, well, you know, I mean, uh, this is broke, but maybe the church can use it. <laughs> you think I'm making this up, but you have stuff like, well, we can't use this anymore. And, you know, it's like a friend of mine. Uh, you know, it was back years ago. We, our church, not this church, but our church, we were taking up clothing to send to a missionary uh, in Mexico. He was a member of our church, and he had a uh, you know, ministry in Mexico. He was a missionary there. And so we were, we, were take, he, we were taking up clothing. We were going to send clothing to them to clothe some people, you know. And he said, he said, I went uh, to my closet to get a pair, because this was the day cowboy boots were popular. And, uh, you know, a lot of us guys wore cowboy boots. I wore them back then. And uh, he, got, he, got, he got an old pair of cowboy boots down. He was going to put them in the box, you know, to send to the missionary. And he said, when I, he, said, he said, when I grabbed those boots, he said, I heard the voice of the Lord, and he called him by name, and he said, if you sow junk, you're going to reap junk. See, this is an offering to the Lord, Right? So he put them back and got his best. Amen. I've had God do me that way one time, you know, before. Where he said, you know, I remember one time he said, I want you to give a suit away. Uh, well, hey, okay. I went back here and, you know, you look for the one, you know, that moths fly out of the pockets and, you know, looks like Herb Tarlick might wear it. You go to grab that suit and said, the Lord said, no, I want you to give this one away. And you know which one it was? You got it. It was my favorite one. And I bought a tie with it that was my favorite tie. To this day, it's probably still my favorite tie of all time. And I want you to give that away. 
You know what? He, he and, and listen, uh, I wish he, he he could have at least had me give it to somebody that lived like 200 miles from here. <laughs> that way I never saw it again and grieved over it. But he actually had me give it to somebody in the church, and I'd watch him wear it. I'm thinking, they got my suit and tie No, I, I'm really, seriously, I got over that real quickly because, you know, if it's an offering to the Lord, have me know you want to give your best. You want to please God. Hallelujah. And I got blessed for it, too. I got, I got favor with the men's store here in town and got favor with them. And, you know, they really did treated me right and blessed me and so forth. Um, but, but, but God wants, he, he wants our best. He doesn't want our leftovers. Amen. Amen. Right. You know, so you, you, you give him your best. Hallelujah. Well, God, if I got some time, you know, I, I might, I might read the Bible. I might work at church or I might pray or no, no. Put God first. Hallelujah. Put God first. In other words, make that the top priority. Amen. Well, that's just good preaching. Everybody say kingdom first. Kingdom first. See, nothing else is first. The kingdom is first. And when you live life that way, then the hundredfold return is on your life. And God makes up the difference. And like he said to his disciples there in Matthew 6, uh, all these things will be added to you. You won't have to think about it. You'll just all get it. You'll get it all. Hallelujah. That is good to know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't neglect our responsibilities, but they're not first. You know, your job's not first. Thank God for your job, but it's not first. So I'm glad you said that, Pastor. I was thinking about quitting it. No, you, the Bible says you don't work, you don't. You don't eat. So if you like to eat, keep working. But the point is, it's not first. It's not first. Amen. Now, I know there's people, now listen, this is no condemnation, but I'm just telling you what I would do. I know there's people that have jobs, you know, and, and occasionally you may have a job that you have to be gone, you have to work, maybe a service or something like that. That, that, that happens. We understand that. God understands that. But I'll tell you what, if I had a job and they wanted me to work all of my church days, I'd be finding me another job. I'm going to put God first. Amen. I believe God would honor that. Say, God, you know what? You know, hey, this job here just ain't right. It doesn't put you first. Give me a job, put you first. You'd be surprised what he's liable to do. You just do that. Amen. He'd give you a job better than the one you got. Amen. I'm not telling you to run out and quit, right? I'm talking pray and get another one. Amen. You'd be surprised how 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 uh, how much people will if you if you stand your ground how much God will work for you. Well, Doctor Barclay, when he was a Marine, he got born again in Vietnam on the battlefield. It's a good thing, to, good place to be born again at. And uh, you know he came back, and then he's at Camp Pendleton, you know, in California. And he got born again. He goes to church. He goes to church every Sunday morning. He goes to church Sunday night. He goes to church Wednesday night. And he said, you know, what, he got uh, someone over him. I don't know what their rank was, but he was a sergeant. But he got someone over him that was kind of anti, anti-Christian. 
And so they scheduled him to work every Wednesday night. So he told him, he said, I'm not going to do it. He said, well, you'll be court-martialed. And so he said, well, court-martial me then. I'm not going to do it. You know I go to church. So, he, you know, the superior, the, I don't know if it was a general, colonel, or whatever it was, called him in. And he said, what's going on here? He said, well, sir, with all due respect, he said, uh, I put God first. And, you know, uh, I've always gone to church on Wednesday night. And uh, he's just doing it so I won't go to church. And he said, you know, do whatever you need to do with me. Throw me in the brig, court-martial me, or what, whatever. And uh, he said, you know, but, but I'm going to honor God. And uh, Dr. Barclay said, uh, he, that colonel called this other officer who was over Dr. Barclay and, and said, don't ever schedule this man to work on Wednesday night again. Put God first. Put God first. Amen. You know, this is what happened when the church didn't raise up their voice. You know, schools used to, uh, they used to schedule things around Wednesday night because the church, they didn't have things going on. And when they first started scheduling stuff, we should have been, the church should have been down there and said, no, you're not going to do it. You want my kid to play, you better quit this stuff. We could have stopped it way back then. Amen. Glory to God. Well, this is good preaching. It's not real popular, you know what I'm saying? It's not like it's real popular because a lot of people don't want to hear this. But the truth is, the kingdom comes first, and that's what Jesus said. I got this from a preacher. Now, I've heard other preachers say different, but I got this from a preacher, and I trust this preacher. He said, if you'll do it, hundredfold return will be on you. Let's stand up. I don't know about you, but I like somebody hundredfold return. Which means, which means, now listen, your family won't be neglected. Your things won't be neglected. God will get in there and help you that all that gets taken care of. That's, what that, that's one of the meanings of that. He'll, he'll see to it, amen, amen, that, you know, it all gets taken care of. Because God doesn't want you neglecting anything, any responsibilities. Absolutely not. But he'll help you. But you've got to have it in your heart. I'm putting God first. David said, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face, I'm going to seek it. My heart's to seek God. If you don't have that heart, you can have that tonight. Amen. God will give it to you. You just got to be honest with Him. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.